9-11. Where were you? At face value, that seems like a cheesy question. Where were you on 9-11? Because the reality is anybody who was somewhere not right there has no doubt a much more boring story than the people who were actually there and affected by it. And what a traumatic day that was. So in a way, I feel as though if you weren't there and you weren't directly impacted by it, why are we asking anybody where they were? Anytime anybody asks that question, I listen and I read and I am always enjoying knowing what that person, whoever the stranger is, was experiencing that day and how they experienced it. So for some reason, it seems like such a pointless question. And at the same time, the answer is always interesting. And I always want to hear it. At a glance, it probably seems like a corny thing to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you where I was on 9-11. First, I have to tell you that in December of 1992, I was on my way home from Romania after a year working in an orphanage. I had a layover in New York City, and my mom asked a friend of hers that lived in Manhattan if I could stay there for a couple of days before returning home. And so at 20 years old, I had a wander around New York City. One of the things I did was go up to the restaurant level in one of the Twin Towers. Now, because that was so long ago, I don't remember which building I was in, and maybe there wasn't a restaurant in both of them. But the memory so clear in my mind is a very small one. And it's looking to my left out these huge windows to the other tower. And I could tell that they were moving independent of one another. Maybe it was windy. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I remember that swaying visually. Anyway, I also got to go up the Statue of Liberty that day. I was surprised at how small she is and how tiny her head is. I had imagined that the windows on her crown would be taller than a person. I had her so majestic in my mind that you could stand in the window and your whole body would look out. And so when I got up there and the window was actually the size of my head... <laughs> or just bigger than the size of my head. I was like, wow, I, I had this wrong. <laughs> if you've never been to New York City, you have to go because truly it's magical. So back to topic. On September 11th, 2001, I was living in England and I was at work. And with the time difference, it was the middle of the day and I was warehouse manager and I was loading a truck. Word came out of the office to turn on the TV, so we climbed into the cab of the truck we were loading, which was Graham's truck. That was the driver. It was me, my husband, and Graham. Two other drivers, Derek and Mark, were there too. We all piled into his cab and turned on his little black and white TV. We could see one of the towers billowing smoke and flames. And of course, we were dumbfounded. So we were glued to what we were hearing the BBC commentator tell us. And he would swap to American commentary, and we would be directly watching American news. And then suddenly the second tower was hit. And honestly, that was very different than 
turning the TV on and seeing the first tower burning. Because for some reason to witness such a horrific event with such severe consequence, because in the movies you don't think about consequence because you know it's a movie, but for it to happen in real life, live, and such a severe thing, it's literally unbelievable. Like you just can't wrap your head around it being real. I don't remember any of us crying, but I don't remember any of us not crying because it was so upsetting. I'm not sure if there was a TV in the offices also, and the office people were watching it unfold on a different television, but probably half an hour later, the owner of the company came to me, being the only American there, and he said, do you want to call home? I don't want to cry while I'm telling this story. But I literally have a lump in my throat, so I don't know how I can tell you this story without crying. So I did call home. What did we say? Nothing big. But it seems so important in that moment to connect with family who were alive. And that sounds so dramatic. I don't mean it to sound at all dramatic. And I'm sure I feel that way because I'm crying as I talk. But if you've never witnessed something so awful in real time, I'm not sure you can appreciate the real-life horror that you can't help but feel. So anyway, kind of just centered myself talking to my mom and my little sister. Hung up, and for two weeks solid... When I wasn't at work and I was at home, I was glued to the TV because there just wasn't enough information for my brain to accept what had happened. There's probably no event in the history of my personal life that has ever affected me more severely that I wasn't directly involved with. I didn't know anyone that died that day, but there are so many people who lost someone that day that the stories are endless. And we all feel so powerless in a situation like that because, yeah, horrible things happen every day. They really do. It was just such a visual one, you know? For many, it was probably an actually traumatic thing as only a witness. Over the television, I mean. Of course it was a traumatic thing to witness from New York City. My story doesn't end there. Um... Years later, in the summer of 2012, I went to New York City again, and again wandered all around Manhattan. On my first day, my hotel was just around the corner from the Empire State Building, and so I went up there in the afternoon and stayed up there for sunset. I honestly can't describe how magical it is from on top of the Empire State Building. You can see so much. And there is an awareness of overlooking tens of thousands of people. It's a really strange sensation, never having lived in a place of tens of thousands of people. I was alone, and it seemed as though everyone else up there was with somebody. And yeah, sure, that made me wish that I was with somebody too and could be sharing it. But at the same time, it also forced me to soak it in. I couldn't possibly take it for granted by busily chatting with a friend and being excited. I had to be 
excited and receive it myself. What was really cool is looking at the tall buildings nearby and the rooftops. And you could see that like private parties were going on. Not that you could see detail. You really couldn't. But it was a really beautiful experience. In the summer of 2012, they had finished the memorials at Ground Zero, but the museum wasn't finished yet. And the trees were all young and newly planted. I went through all the security. You have to have everything checked and, you know, it's a very secure location. I started walking in toward the memorials and, oh my God, I lost it. I could not stop crying. I was overwhelmed. It was like I was walking into a cloud of sadness. I had no opportunity to step away from it. I was so engulfed to the point that I felt as though I needed to hide because nobody else was walking around sobbing. <laughs> and and I didn't know how to calm down. So I just tried to keep my face down and read the names, look at the water falling on the memorials, and to be present. One of the things I did do was put my hands either side of my face as I leaned against the window of the museum, pretending to look inside the glass, because that would hide how hard I was crying. That was how I managed to cry hard enough that I could be calm when I finally turned around. Trees were still green. And in some ways, it was a beautiful day, but it was especially intense to be at a location of such destruction and remembrance. And you know, people say never forget. Nobody needs to be told that. Nobody's ever going to forget. I think if I had been the president of a country and somebody leaned over to me and whispered, a plane flew into the Twin Towers, whatever that man whispered into the president's ear. I would have jumped out of my seat and been running to get more information, to do something, to organize something, to find out something, anything. I wouldn't have sat there and nodded. Unfortunately, I have that image burned in my head too, because it's so not what someone with empathy would do. I just don't understand. A few years after that, on 9-11, I got a tattoo on my wrist that is the word love six times. A chain of love. I can't think of a better date to commemorate with ink on your body than 9-11. I don't even know that commemorate is the right word because it wasn't with a ceremony. To respect. Maybe it's respect. Mass murder is so hard to accept wherever it happens in the world, however it happens. So every year somebody always asks, where were you on 9-11? And I don't think it's so much a question of where one stood as it is a question of what one felt. It doesn't matter what I read of anyone saying on 9-11 about 9-11. It makes me cry. But I think we also need to honor our humanity by remembering what we felt, remembering how sad we were for those affected. And frankly, it's never going to go away. I don't know how to end this because there are no words. No words to make it okay. No words to tidy it up. Bless you, New York City. I love you. And in fact, the whole world does. 
You're such a magical place. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Ground Zero, take tissues. I can say I'd like to go back and I can say I don't want to go back. It was really hard. If you ever need to get in touch with your heart, you could do it there. The experience for me was one that was physical, emotional, mental, and overwhelming. It put me in touch with my heart so much so I just didn't even know how to cope. 